Well, welcome to The Prophetic Angle. This is Pastor Rick Bowen, and I want to welcome you to another episode of The Prophetic Angle. And today I have something that is absolutely exciting and absolutely vital and absolutely essential to the body of Christ in any locale, in any community, in any city, in any county, in any country, in any church. What I'm going to share with you today is absolutely necessary. I'm going to call it, give me five. (laughs) How about a high five? Because it is a high five. We're talking about God's high five. And I'm going to start in Ephesians chapter four. Now, the book of Ephesians was written by Paul to the church at Ephesus, and it has six chapters. The first three chapters have to do with getting people into the church and the understanding that the church is for the Jew and the Gentile that receive Jesus as Savior by the grace of God and the blood of Jesus as their blood covering and covenant. The last three chapters have to do with once you are in the church. So it's chapter four, five, and six. Of course, the very final chapter and almost the Now chapter four, which is beginning the second half of the book of Ephesians, has an address to the body of Christ, people that are born again. And so I'm just going to read um, a number of verses. I'll make a little commentary along the way, and then I'll get to what I really want to say. So if you'll get your Bible out, open up to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read in the ESV, but you know, if you have the KJV, NKJV, or another translation, it'll probably read pretty similar, and you can still follow. And it reads like this, I therefore, Paul says, a prisoner for the Lord, he's in prison, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. This is how that calling and uh, behooves you to walk, with all humility, gentleness, with patience. Look at this, bearing with one another in love. Now, some folks don't want to bear with one another in love. Um, That requires an effort (laughs) out of all of us. And frankly, sometimes we don't feel like bearing with one another. And, you know, we all need downtime and all the things that make this possible, but we're exhorted to bear with one another in love. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. That should be our desire in the bond of peace. Now, notice all these superlatives that point us to the effort we should be making as Christians. There is one body, it says in verse 4, one Spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in you all. But grace was given to each one of us. Say that. But grace was given to each one of us. So say, but grace was given to me. But grace was given to me according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, talking about the resurrection of Jesus, and when he ascended, and he gave gifts to men. 
Okay? So that's a reference to an Old Testament passage um, in uh, the book of Psalm 68, verse 18. And uh, you can go and read that there. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended. So to go, he went up, but he went down. He went down, and he went up. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all heavens that he might fill all things. Now, I could take a lot of time to talk about what is in that parenthetical there in verse 9, but that is not, and 10, but that's not my primary objective today. So please excuse me from going into that. This is quite a... A uh, succinct way of putting how Jesus came to earth, he came down, how he died on the cross, and then he was in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. Here I am saying a lot of what could be said, but not nearly as much as I could. And then he came forth and ascended. So he came, he came down, he went up, and when he went up, he uh, gave gifts Verse 11 says, He gave these gifts, apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds or pastors, and teachers. Now, why did He give those five gifts? This is the high five I'm talking about. A lot of people call it the five-fold ministry. And I'm telling you, the day we're living in, this is October the 12th, uh, 2021, and I'm not saying it wasn't true yesterday or 10 years ago or even tomorrow or next week or however long it is before the Lord actually comes back. But I am telling you this. If you want to make it through the next few years, you're going to need to pay attention to what I'm about to say. And I'm not talking about barely making it. I'm talking about being an overcomer. I'm talking about uh, being all that you can be in God's army. Well, if you want to, then you need to hear what I've got to say. A lot of people don't want to hear this. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors or the shepherds. It's another word for uh, pastors and teachers. Why? To equip, equip the saints, okay, for the work of the ministry. To equip the saints... For the work of the ministry. So, in other words, the fivefold ministry is to equip the body of Christ for the body ministry. So, the whole body ministers, and comma for the building up of the body of Christ. So, these these ministries, these five, they equip the saints, and they build up or edify the body of Christ, so that the body of Christ can do the work of the ministry. And then this will last, according to verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith. So the objective of these ministries is not to divide, but to unify, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Now, not unity for the sake of unity, but unity in truth, see? To mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now look at this. So that we may no longer be children. First three chapters talk about being born again and 
being children of God or coming into the body of Christ, or coming into the church, obviously you're a child when you first start out. But he says in chapter 4, now we're, we're about to become adults. We're growing. We're maturing. We're doing it because God has a plan, and His plan is the high five, the five-fold ministry, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human, human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, so in other words, instead of that, Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way, say that, every way, every way into Him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. Notice, by every joint. So uh, there's metaphors, metaphors, similes, and other figures of speech here. Uh, One is the body of Christ, of course. The joint could be you and me where we connect. From whom the whole body body joined and held together by every joint. But every joint is equipped. See, we already said the five-fold ministry was for the equipping of the uh, body or for the saints for the work of the ministry. So now saints can be joints, joints can be saints, and saints can join together. Okay, just playing with the words a little bit. By that which every joint is equipped. So joints are equipped with various properties and various functionalities. When each part is working properly, makes the whole body, the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So in other words, none of us are out without responsibility here. Um, God manifests. It's not that a lot of people want to relegate the church to universe, universal, ethereal, mystical, non-visible, loosely um, knit entity. When in reality, it may have some of that in that there's Christians everywhere. But it manifests more specifically in a local community of believers those local churches. And in those local churches, there are various ministries that serve to make this possible, this maturing process for the saints, and also equip those saints so that they can effectively minister to one another. In other words, every joint, because that indicates you're connected. See, everybody say connected. Okay. And also minister to those without, those that have not yet come into chapters 1, 2, and 3. Because the objective of chapter 4, 5, and 6 is to get people into 1, 2, and 3. So, you know, if you'll read the book of Ephesians that way, it'll help you. But I have noticed over my decades of ministry, and I can say that now, I don't claim to be ancient, and I don't act like an old man, but I do have a lot of experience and exposure and uh, a lot of awareness of what has happened, what is happening, and what's going to happen. Now, part of the reason for that is is I am prophetic. I don't insist anybody call me a prophet because a lot of times people uh, seem to think that a prophet uh, is exalted, you know, some kind of high 
lifted up thing, and that's not my objective, and I don't think that's God's intention for a New Testament prophet or any of these ministries to hold themselves up and be title happy and go about trumpeting and tooting their own horn. Uh, But I do think that a lot of people have a misconception of what these ministries are, and they do not discern them. So I probably could talk two or three hours on this. I'm going to try to get it in the next, uh, I don't know, 15 or 20 minutes so that I can keep this uh, episode of the prophetic angle to a relatively short length. But apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, I am a pastor because I oversee a local church. So in that standpoint, from that standpoint, I'm a bishop. I don't really like to be called or want to be called bishop. Some people do. Uh, I guess there's nothing wrong with it. Obviously, it is a biblical term. Overseer. Um, I am a pastor. A lot of people, you know, because that has become more acceptable to call the primary minister in a local church pastor just as a title and almost as a name, of a uh, term of endearment even. Uh, so that concept of that, individual man or woman that fills that pulpit generally and mostly and oversees that local functionality and structure of that particular assembly or ecclesia is kind of what people have in mind. And sometimes that pastor just becomes a person of convenience. You know, that's my pastor. I go to that church. Um, In other words, I have a connection as fragile and as fractured and as frail as it may be, but I am connected to a a particular assembly. And uh, for some reason that gives people a certain amount of, you know, consolation that everything is all right. But the truth is people come and go to these local assemblies because in any community of any size you're going to have scores of, of possible churches to attend. And um, collectively, you could say they're the church of that area, the church of, in our case, Muncie, or the church of Delaware County, or et cetera. You could, but they're not all. Not all churches, you know, you drive by a building, it says this church, that church. Not all churches have uh, preached the, the Word of God. Not all churches worship in spirit and in truth. So let's start out by just narrowing it down to the churches that attempt to adhere to the Scripture and the Spirit. You know, they have the dynamic of the Holy Spirit and they have the solid strength of the Word of God. So even there, you have often, depending on the size of the community, you may have scores of local uh, assemblies. Some of them may be 5, 10, 15, 20 people. Others may be two, 300. Might be some with a 1,000 or more. And uh, so there's all kinds of different ways of, uh, if I can use the word, dividing uh, the body of Christ into teachable units or into units that can have uh, an overseer 
to help them grow. It doesn't mean they're, that if they are both congregations are sanctified by the blood that they don't love and care for one another, but they have that place where they are taught and, and edified and they have planted themselves. Because people move around from one place to the next looking for that elusive perfect church or whatever it is they're looking for and hardly ever find it. Uh, so many, in fact, I would say most professing Christians are not planted in a local church. And that is not God's will. God wants everybody to settle down, to settle down, to be taught. So back to my ministry, I pastor a local church and I happen to have a prophetic ministry and also a teaching ministry. Um, so you, somebody might say, well, you're a prophet. Well, I've moved in the prophetic for decades now, but I don't go around saying my name is Prophet Rick. <laughs> somebody might call me that and I'm going to call him down. But um, the problem is people need to discern the nature of a person's ministry. And in the case of my ministry, sometimes people come in, they do not have an understanding of anything about the content of my ministry other than he pastors that church. Uh, even people that go to the church sometimes don't understand that there is an element, an anointing there of the prophetic that can help them be prepared for what is to come, that can strengthen them and make them ready for every good work, that can help them in the next two, three, four years with what's going on in our country. So some pastors are pastors, and I think every pastor should have an ability to teach, but some are pastors and teachers. Some are pastors that can teach. Some are pastors that, like Paul said to Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. So some pastors have an evangelistic aptitude, calling, and ministry, along with their ability to pastor. Some pastors are prophets, like in the case uh, of what I've been talking about pertaining to me. Uh, I prophesy a lot, and a lot of times people don't realize that's what's happening, and I teach. So I, I primarily focus on prophecy and teaching or prophetic teaching. And then as a pastor, caring for the people, trying to lead them in sound doctrine. <clears throat> Not so much of an apostle. Uh, apostle plants churches. And uh, so my point is some pastors are apostles. Some pastors are prophets. Some pastors are evangelists. Some pastors are teachers. And I suppose some pastors are a jack of all trades in that they do some of all of that. But maybe they're mainly just anointed to be a pastor. And I'm just saying that when you have a particular calling, whatever it may be, maybe you're not in the fivefold ministry, but you specialize in one of these categories. So you're, you're apostolic in that you love planting churches, getting new churches started. You are prophetic in that you love um, 
speaking the mind and heart of God and looking into the future just a little bit, if the Lord allows. You're evangelistic in that you you love being on the streets and reaching out to people every day, all day, anytime, anywhere, any way, anyhow. Or you are just a pastor, you care about people and you want to visit the, the sick or you want to visit um, somebody that needs encouragement. Or you are a teacher and you are able to systematically lay out concepts from the Word of God. You just have a special aptitude for that. And you can have any one or a combination of these ministries in your bent or in your uh, uh, forte, you know, in your gift mix, and yet not be called to be that ministry. So you can be apostolic, you can be prophetic, you can be evangelistic, you can be pastoral, you can be uh, teacher-oriented and not be an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. So then what are you saying, <laughs> Pastor Rick? I'm saying, depending upon your focus and your anointing, you may be uh, <clears throat> drawn to any of these ministries exclusively. So if you love planting churches and, and you go to a church and that pastor doesn't love planting churches, in other words, he's not an apostle, then you may not like that pastor. Or if you're evangelistic and, and uh, you go and they're not uh, feeding the uh, hungry and clothing the, the poor at the church, then you uh, don't like that church. You like it, but you know, you, you just it's just not your deal. Well, what I'm trying to say is when, when a person is planted in a church, there is need for all of these ministries. So if a person comes in with a bent and the pastor doesn't particularly have that bent, if that pastor will recognize they have that particular anointing, he can release them and yet they still can be taught and fed by that pastor. Um, so in other words... It is an error for people to keep moving around and not getting planted and using their gift mix where God plants them because they're not getting equipped, see? They're, they're using what they have acquired, but they may need to be balanced. They may, may need to be taught how to have a balanced framework. They may need uh, a repertoire or an arsenal that an overseer, a pastor, could be a prophet, a prophetic pastor, like in my case, or a teacher, that only they're going to get in a place like that. So if we only go to places where they emphasize only what we are accustomed to or, or wish for, we're never going to be balanced. And so that brings us to that verse 13. Um, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children. Now notice this. Tossed to and fro by the waves. Listen, the waves are about to kick up out here. And children are going to be tossed. 
and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Um, people get enamored with a flurry of activity of any kind, and it just moves people around. And so what I'm saying is the body of Christ in a local area and the local assemblies need to have a certain recognition of one another and their gifts. They need to have a certain recognition of the people within their congregations and their gift mix so that they can try to release them in those areas. Because God has set these in the church. He has, uh, if you go back to 1 Corinthians 14, God sets these ministries. He gave these ministries in Ephesians 4, but He sets these ministries in the church. And you know what? God didn't forget where He put them. He, he purposely, He didn't just set it down and walk off and say, I wonder where I put that. He purposefully set these ministries in the church. So if you're listening to this right now, and if you just heard that, you're still here with me. Thank you for being patient. And you're going to a church, and uh, that ministry is not necessarily yours, or you feel like yours is more prophetic, or it's more apostolic, or it's more evangelistic, or it's more pastoral, more of a teacher, then allow that set minister in, in that assembly to recognize you. Give him time. Give, give time to develop that mutual understanding and trust and volunteer to help in the area that you feel you're most equipped to help in. And uh, it may take on a different shape after you become involved. Not because you went in there with an agenda, but because the anointing begins to expand and enlarge that area of ministry in that particular assembly. And then the whole group can grow and benefit together from the various ministries that God places within the confines of that particular uh, assembly. At the same time, the saints that are being equipped can be equipped and can be taught and don't have to be tossed. But what I view right now is a lot of tossing. It's been going on for... Uh, it's, it's gotten worse since I have uh, started ministering and preaching. There's a, it's always been there. Because if it wasn't, you wouldn't have this scripture in the Bible. Anytime you got human beings, you're going to have imperfection. You're going to have some of these discrepancies. But as we move on toward the end of the age, we're seeing more and more of this divisiveness and it's it's a trick of the devil what it what it is is it causes people to go off into orbits and isolate themselves or never become an effective part of the body of Christ always assuming that you know the spirit of God is leading them but God does lead himself against or lead his people against his own word and he says right here that we're not to be tossed to and fro and carried about uh and, and he goes on and says it's human, human cunning and craftiness and deceitful schemes that causes this. But, but we're supposed to do what I'm supposed to be doing right now, speaking the truth in love and grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body is joined and held together by every joint which it, with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, 
makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So every one of us have a responsibility. The set ministries, the fivefold, the high five, <laughs> and the saints that have the various uh, preferences and opinions and their certain things appeal to them. Um, and really, I left out a lot of different facets of doctrine and uh, biblical topics that people get hung up on, and they, they can't get off of that. They, they can't seem to understand. That's not all there is to it. That's part of it, but it's not all there is to it. So they tend to have a warped or skewed view of that one area. As important as it may be, it causes them not to be effective as they could be. And so therefore, we're hoping that uh, you and me and everyone finds their place in this last day in the body of Christ in some local assembly where we can contribute, be a part, where we can be taught, we can be equipped, and we can be joined together and supply whatever it is we have toward the whole, you know, so we can synergize our efforts together as the Lord intended as we grow up into a mature man unto the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. Now, I hope this has helped you. Can I say one last thing here before you uh, get, get uh, to the end of this episode with me? And that is this. As I look across the country today, and I just described the church in general, but look across the country today and I see the terrible, terrible tumult and trial, times of trial and times of tribulation, times of, uh, you know, torment for some, trouble. And uh, some people are giving up, giving in, giving over, becoming disillusioned, becoming bitter. Um, and people outside the church, obviously, are being divided into all kinds of different opinions and groups and warring factions and uh, which is what is desired uh, in order to destroy divide and conquer you're going to need a prophet you're going to need the prophetic ministry in this last day so if you're at a church where the prophetic is not a balanced part of that assembly or the pastor is not prophetic you need to hopefully pray the Lord will send somebody in there that is, that will help bring that element into the assembly, that the pastor will recognize it. Uh, if, you, if you are somewhere where the pastor's prophetic, discern and know that and appreciate that. And, uh, you know, if you happen to be somebody that attends or goes to church with me, then I hope you can see the necessity of that part of the ministry as well as all these other parts that I mentioned and enumerated. But in the book of Amos chapter 3, the Bible said God will do nothing unless He reveals it to His servants or prophets. So I believe that that includes the church, the prophetic church of the last day as a whole, the prophetic saint and the prophetic minister. But I think that we need to be very careful that we don't limit what God has intended for the structuring, spiritual structuring of the church so that it can grow up into a healthy entity that represents Christ in the fullness 
and each individual part can do exactly what it was intended by the designer and by the creator. So I hope that's helped you today. I know I know this wasn't point one, point two, point three, point four. It wasn't given like that. And I'm hoping you didn't get lost in what might have seemed like to somebody rambling, but it's not rambling at all. I tried to give you some continuity with the content so that you can understand that all five of these ministries are vitally important and that the objective is to stabilize the saint, equip them so that they don't get tossed around and lose their effectiveness, but they get strengthened, they're stabilized, they're steady, they're strong, and they're part of a local assembly somewhere where God has set them. And they're learning to deal with all the other people that have different gifts and all the faults and everything, and yet we're growing together. Because verse 1 says, and I'll close with this, with all humility, gentleness, patience, and bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. God bless you. I hope this was a blessing today.